0: So if you're new with us, and this is week two of our new series, Led by Fire, as we're learning transformative truth by looking at the life of Moses and how God led not only Moses, but the entire nation of Israel by fire. Here's the reality for you. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's God's desire to lead you by fire. He's instilled with inside of you the fire of his Holy Spirit. He desires to blaze a path before us. He desires to use us in ways that we never thought possible. God has supernatural things that he desires to do in your life and through your life. And in order for us to experience all of those things, it's going to require us to become a people that take a posture that say, God, whatever you want from me, I'm in. You lead, I'll follow. I desire to be a man, woman led by fire. Matter of fact, I would invite you to be praying that prayer with us throughout these summer months. God, lead us by fire. God, as I've been driving, as I've been going on walks, I've been maybe just going into a meeting, God, lead me by fire. I don't want to step out of what you have for me. I want to step in to all the good things that you've promised. God, would you lead us individually? Would you lead us collectively by fire? I want to invite you to stand to your feet with me as we open God's word. Uh, We're going to pick up where we left off. If you were with us last week, then you know that uh, we're looking at the life of Moses, and Moses was a man born in Egypt at a time when, really, genocide was taking place. Uh, Anti-Semitic movement was taking place throughout Egypt, and uh, the Pharaoh at the time had given an edict for all the babies born who were boys to be thrown into the Nile River. By faith, Moses' parents, his mom and dad, say, our boys should live. We know it's God's will that we do not throw him into the Nile River, so God, would you make a way? So by faith... They hide Moses for three months. Uh, by faith, uh, they, they come up with this strategy to, to put Moses into the Nile River. And, and by faith, Moses, he, he appears to Pharaoh's daughter. Moses, uh, Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses. And, and by God's supernatural hand, by, by being parents led by fire, Moses' mom is literally paid to nurse and to raise Moses for the first three to four years of his life. Throughout that time, Moses' mom is not only nourishing him with physical needs, but she's instilling in him the principles and the practices of the people of God. She's telling him about how how God has gone before his people from generations in the past, and he will for generations in the future. And Moses, at the age of 40, realizes his call. He is raised as as royalty in Egypt. Pharaoh's daughter brought him in as his own. He's trained in all the things of, of Egypt History tells us that at the age of 30, Moses led the Egyptian army in an unprecedented defeat over the Ethiopian army. They were vastly outnumbered, but Moses leading the charge provided for Egypt a miraculous victory. This is a highly declarated military general. This is a highly educated individual. Now he identifies not with the people of Egypt, but with the people of God. And there we pick up in Acts chapter 7, verse 28. Now Moses has killed an Egyptian taskmaster. He sees a taskmaster killing a Hebrew. He says, "This isn't right. He comes on the scene. He kills the Egyptian guy, thinking that the people of Israel will now identify him as their deliverer. But this, this Hebrew responds, "Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday?" When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. Now he's in Midian, he's in what is modern-day Saudi Arabia. He marries a foreign pagan wife. They have two kids together. That leads to a lot of downfall for Moses. We're going to talk about that next week. But here's what I want you to note it says, After 40 years had passed. So, as we come to chapter 3 of Exodus, 40 years have passed since Exodus chapter 2. 40 years have passed, and now an angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. This is the word of the Lord, and as we unpack God's word today, we're going to discover that God desires to re- reveal his presence to Moses. God desires to reveal his purpose to Moses, and I just believe that God desires to do the same for your life and my life today as well. So let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you that you're the same God who spoke to Moses. God, you desire to speak to your church gathered here. You desire to speak to us collectively as well as individually. So Father, I pray you would do that today, that God, you would not only speak to us and reveal your presence, but God, you would speak to us and reveal your purpose and your plan for us, that we would be people who are led by fire as you desire for us to be. God, I pray your blessing on this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and have a seat in the presence of the Lord. It was Dwight L. Moody who made this statement. D.L. Moody said, Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody, 40 years learning he was nobody, 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. Another commentator noted that Moses spent two years preparing for every one year of ministry he would spend. Again, in this text, God is revealing his presence to Moses, and God's revealing his purpose for Moses. And I believe he wants to do the same for us here today. So if you're taking notes, this is where our notes begin. Uh, The first observation from Exodus chapter 3 is that God, we, we serve a God. People who are led by fire know that we serve the God who not only redeems people, but he redeems experiences. God redeems people, and that's an awesome thing. But he also redeems our experiences, and I think that's a beautiful thing as well. Here it is in Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, who was priest of Midian, he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. When we see that word horeb it 's interchangeable with Mount Sinai so he 's talking about Mount Sinai when it talks about his father Jephro being priest of Midian uh, don 't think of that as like a, a godly priest he 's a, a very much a pagan priest, and the people of Midian are, are very pagan uh, they 're into a lot of idolatry they 're into child sacrifice and so don 't think of the God of Israel uh, being the god that jephro serves he serves uh, there 's multiple gods that he is overseeing as priest, it lets us know that Moses is working for his father-in-law, which how many of you know it can be kind of a humbling reality if uh, when we land in that, that spot. But he's not only uh, working for his father-in-law, but this military general, highly decorated, highly educated, was once in line to be heir over all of Egypt, the most powerful nation at this time. Now Moses is not only working for his father-in-law, but he's watching sheep, which is not like a Super awesome reality for anybody. He's lonely. He's by himself. Only the sheep to keep him company. And he is in the desert. I got a map I want to show you. Just where this is all taking place. Uh, This is, we talked last week about Goshen. Uh, This is where the nation of Israel was. All this this area in here is the land of Egypt. It was a massive country at this time. Moses flees for his life. He crosses the the Sinai Peninsula. And now he's over here at what is modern day Saudi Arabia uh, and the land of Midian. The Bible tells us that he's watching this flock of sheep on the west side over here. And this is where we uh, scholars believe that Mount Sinai. Sinai is. There's an interesting documentary if you want to maybe take an extra note, watch this with your family or at a later date if you're into this type of thing. Uh, There's a documentary on YouTube called uh, Mountain of Fire. Uh, Just Google search Mountain of Fire and Mount Sinai and uh, these two explorers have found what they believe to be uh, the the mountain of God, the the Mount, Mount Sinai and it is in Saudi Arabia, a lot of evidence that leads us to believe that that is in fact true. But here's what I want you to think about. Why 40 years? Why would God send Moses of all places? He could have sent him up here into like modern day Israel. He could have sent him to a lot of places, but why, why Midian? Why 40 years? Why, why this, this military general? Why, why in exile in the desert? Well, here's what I want you to think about. God's going to use Moses to set his people free. Moses believes that, but he had the timing wrong. We talked about that last week. But when the timing's right, God is going to use Moses to deliver two million people, two million slaves that are currently held in Egypt, again, across the Sinai Peninsula and down into the Arabian Desert to Mount Sinai. This is ultimately where they'll receive the Ten Commandments. This is where God's going to appear to them in a flame of a fire. And here's what I want you to think about for 40 years. God has sent Moses on a recon mission to identify where the water is located, to identify where the trade routes are, to understand uh, who the people of this land, who who they are, what's their culture like? How do we relate with these people? And and by God's sovereignty, God sent Moses here, not only to the land of Midian, but he's part of the family. He marries in, he marries this Midianite woman. He has kids in Midian. He's working for a man of influence in the land of, of Midian, which I think highlights for you, highlights for me, that God is a God of redemption. And not only does he redeem people's life, but for 40 years, as Moses is probably wondering, what in the world's going on? God, I thought you called me to be a deliverer. I, I tried to step into that call and I killed that Egyptian, but they didn't see me as a deliverer. So now like, here I am, I'm working for my, I'm watching sheep, God. Like, what is going on? All the while not knowing that God had plans for him. God was preparing him for the ministry he had ahead of him. And to that end, can I just submit to you that no season of your life is ever for naught. No season of your life, no situation in your life is a situation that God doesn't desire to use and God does not desire to redeem. As followers of Jesus, every day that we're following God, God is preparing you, God is training you, God is developing you for the ministry and life he has ahead of you. It might feel like a desert season, but don't lose heart, maintain joy. God is preparing you for what he has ahead of you. He was doing that for Moses, and I just believe for many of us here, he's doing that for us still today. He did it for Moses for 40, 40 years. I mean, you talk about a waiting season. Was G- Moses called? Yes. Was, was Moses' timing and God's timing in alignment? Absolutely not. But as you know, God wins out, and God knows best for Moses. and He knows best for you and for me. That second observation in Exodus 3 is that God knows, that we know people who are led by fire, Know that God reveals himself to people. For you and I to be people who are led by fire, it's, we just need to know that God desires to reveal himself to you. God desires to reveal himself to people. Look at it in, in verse 3. Uh, an angel of the Lord, so 40 years, middle of the desert, no no what's going on. Then out of the blue, uh, as it would appear, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of a fire out of the midst of a bush. I want to pause here. This is an interesting phrase, the angel of the Lord. We see this in the Old Testament 67 times. The angel of the Lord appears to individuals. The angel of the Lord appears to men and women to speak into their life, to give them direction about their life, to reveal promises for their life. Most scholars believe that this isn't just an angel of the Lord, but that this is the Lord. Uh, this is the, 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 the Yahweh. This word in your Bible, if it's all in caps, that, that reveals to us, that's, it's Yahweh, this is like God very very God. It was Alex Monte, a scholar that said, when God wants to draw near to someone, and we see this throughout the old Testament specifically, he wants to draw near to someone without destroying them. He sent the angel of the Lord. This is all of God. This is part of the Trinity. This is there's father, son, Holy spirit. They believe that this is the son of God revealing himself to Moses, the father speaking to Moses and the Holy spirits at work here as well. Whenever we think about how God drew near to us, what did he do? He he sent his son, Jesus, like to reveal himself, to to bridge the gap so we can have a relationship with God, the Father. So here's Moses, and he's seeing Jesus. He's hearing the voice of the Father, and as we're going to see throughout Exodus, we see the Holy Spirit at work as well. What's interesting is that as Moses is having one encounter with God, he says, hey, God, like, let me see your face. Like, reveal your glory, and God responds like, no one can see my face and live. So like Moses, I'll speak to you, but I can't reveal myself. I can't let you see my face because if you do, like you'll be you'll be incinerated in a moment because God's so awesome, God's so holy, God's so powerful. But what's interesting is when we come to Exodus chapter 24, we see Moses and we see the the elders of Israel like having this banquet, like having a meal with God Himself. Look at this. Uh, then Moses, Aaron, and the seventy elders of Israel climbed the mountain, and there they saw the God of Israel. Under his feet seemed to be the surface of brilliant blue lapis, as as clear as the sky. And and though the nobles of Israel gazed upon God, he did not destroy them. In fact, they ate a covenant meal, eating and drinking in his presence. And so the skeptic says, well, there you have it. There's the contradiction in the Bible. But I would just submit to you that this is God, very God, but it is not God the Father because no one can see God the Father and live. But I believe that this is the Son. This is the angel of the Lord revealed himself to the nation of Israel, sitting down, having a covenant meal with them. We see God the Father speaking to Moses. We see the Son appearing to Moses, and we see the Holy Spirit empowering Moses. In Numbers 11, 25, it says, Then the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke to him. He took some of the power of the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. That was on him, and he put it on the 70 elders. Watch this. When the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied. And this is the first time it happened. This is the only time it happened for these elders. I'm just submitting to you that this is all of God revealing all that he is to a man to Moses. And I just believe the same God that revealed himself to Moses desires to reveal himself to you. I believe the father desires to speak to you. I believe the son desires to appear to you. I believe the Holy Spirit desires to empower you to do what you and I could never do on our own. Look at it in in Exodus 3 verse 3. It says, "And, and Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Like, this is, this is not natural. Whenever something's not natural, it's, it's supernatural. And so Moses has seen brush on fire before, but now he sees this bush that's being burnt, but not being consumed. So he said, I'm going to turn aside to see this great sight. Why this bush is not burnt. Look at this. The Lord saw him turn aside, and he turned to see. And I just think that highlights for us our, our, our third point, that people who are led by fire look for where God is working. We, we, they look for where God is is working. They see something that is not natural, and they say, wait, this isn't normal. This isn't everyday circumstance. I'm going to turn aside and say, God, what are you doing? God, how are you working? God, can you speak to me? Reveal how you're working in my life, how how, how you desire to to motivate, to move, to change some areas of my life. Listen, I think this is super exciting because God's always working. God's always working in your life. God is always speaking. I think the question is, are we are we looking to see where God is, is working? God desires to speak. Uh, as I've said before, God doesn't have a speaking problem. I have a listening problem. Uh, God is always working. And sometimes I can see it, sometimes I can't. Uh, it's, it's the glory of God, Proverbs says, to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search it out. Uh, I believe some things in our life are hi- hidden. Like some things are veiled. But the reason they're veiled is because God desires to pull you into relationship with him. So that you can know him better. He desires to reveal his will to you. But oftentimes, I believe God is working in plain sight, and I'm just not taking time to look. I'm not taking time to listen. And while you may have not had a physical burning bush moment in your life, I believe all of us have burning bush moments. And you say, what does that even look like? I think whenever we see something that is, is not natural, I think it's, it's cause for pause. It's just, just to look aside and say, God, what are you doing? Are you you trying to speak to me in a way that perhaps I'm not observing? Here are some suggestions of what a a burning bush could be. Uh, I think something that we've all experienced for the past 26 months is a global pandemic. It's not happened in your lifetime. It's not happened in in our generation. For the past 26 months, I I think God has been trying to get our attention. I think God is inviting us still to turn aside, to say, I got some things for you. I'm trying to speak to you. I'm trying to reveal some things about who I am in ways that you could not understand any other way. God desires to speak. I think the invitation for us is to turn aside and say, God, what are you trying to reveal to us in this season? I think a burning bush could be a person. Uh, I remember the first time I met uh, Margaret Tyler. So she was like my mom's prayer partner. And, um, she, she pretty much, you know, prayer partner. So my mom told her all my junk. And, uh, and so it's like, she knew I'd been arrested. She knew some of the bad things I'd done. And like, uh, my mom was helping at Vacation Bible School over the summer. I was home, uh, with my, my parents at this time. And, uh, and my mom was like, Hey, we're short on volunteers, uh, which just so you know, that's always the case. So if you want to help with Vacation Bible School this summer, we'd love for you to sign up, uh, because we need more help. Uh, but, but I was like, yeah, sure, I'd love to go because uh, I, I love church or love God at the time. I just, I enjoyed helping my mom and like, like working with kids. And so, so I went and I met my, my mom's prayer partner, this kid's pastor. And uh, I was for sure that when she saw me, she would tell me how I'm blowing it, how I'm, I'm ruining my potential, how I'm hurting my mom, who I love. Uh, I thought she just had this list of things that she was going to just peg me with. But when I saw Margaret Tyler, she looked at me and she said, Tim, if we could bottle up your smile, we'd all be millionaires. And I was like, is there, some, is there somebody else here named Tim? Because I don't think you know who I am. Like, I'm Debbie's son. Like, you know what I, you're, you're her prayer partner, right? So like, what are you talking But For me, it was a burning bush moment. Because if she could see beyond all that I had done, if she could see all, beyond all the wake of destruction that I was leaving in my path, and she could call out something good in me, for me, that was a burning bush moment. It caused me to pause and say, maybe there's something to this Jesus stuff because she's got something I don't have. Maybe whenever you observe someone's life, the way that God is blessing them, the way God speaks to them, maybe it causes, you see see God's favor on someone's life. You're like, what's up with them? I would just say God is not a respecter of persons. He desires to bless every one of you. Some people just posture themselves differently to receive blessing that perhaps you're not doing. And so it's a burning bush moment to say, I desire for God to work in my life in that way, so therefore I'm recognizing, God, you desire to, to do this, so I'm going to turn aside and I'm going to structure my life a little bit differently so I can posture myself the same way that he is, the same way that she is, posturing themselves. God uses people. A burning bush moment could be a change of circumstances. Uh, maybe you get a bad medical report. I think it's incumbent upon us to maybe reframe that reality to say, God, maybe you're trying to speak to me about something. Uh, maybe it's a change of job. Uh, maybe it's a new home. Maybe it's a new baby, like having a baby. Is, if that's not a burning bush moment, I don't know what is because your, your world's changed. Like, yeah, maybe going to a new school. Uh, maybe, you know, things not working out the way you thought it would. I think for some of us, whenever we, we aspire to get, like whenever I buy a home, then I'll be happy. Whenever I, I make that level of income, then I'll be satisfied. Only to buy the home, only to make the salary and realize that it does not fulfill you the way that you thought. I would submit to you that's a burning bush moment. And it's God's way of saying and reminding he's the only one that can bring fulfillment and satisfaction to our lives. It's a burning bush moment. It's an opportunity for us to turn aside Let's look at it again in verse 3. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw, he turned aside. Which, can I just pause there and just let you know God's watching. He, he knows the details of your life. When you, when you turn aside to say, God, I'm, I'm stepping away from things that are temporary. I'm stepping towards the eternal. I think he notices. God saw that Moses turned aside uh, to see what God was up to. And God spoke to him. God called him out of the bush Moses Moses he said I am here this repetition is interesting in the Hebrew there's no words to give emphasis so you can't say like that's stupendous or or Moses I got something very important for you to understand So we see repetition. We see Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob. Now, Moses, Moses, I'm trying to get your attention. I'm trying to pull you in to relationship. Moses, there's something I want to reveal to you that don't miss it. Moses, Moses. So Moses responds, hey, here I am. I would submit to you unless Moses turns aside, he might miss what God desires to do in his life. And for us what does that look like? I think you being in this gathering, turning aside from things that are temporary to focus on things that are eternal and gathering as the church, it's your opportunity to turn aside and you're doing it. So like out of boy, out of girl, like way to go. I think throughout the week as we turn aside to, to open God's word and say, "God, I I'm I'm not going to fix my eyes on things that are temporary. God speaks to me about things that are eternal. We're turning aside." I think as we pray and talk to God, we're we're choosing to turn turn aside. God desires to speak. He desires to lead us by fire. God wants to reveal himself to us, but it's incumbent upon us, let's turn aside and say, God, here's your servant. Here I am. Would you speak to me? That's what he does for Moses. The fourth observation is that people who are led by fire have a healthy reverence for God. People who are led by fire have a healthy reverence for God. So, on one hand, God is calling Moses into intimacy. He says, Moses, Moses, I like, come close. I want to talk to you. And then the, verse 5 seems to be a paradox. Then he said, Don't come near. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. This is one of the paradoxes of being men and women led by fire. On one hand, we're friends with God. Absolutely. Are we children of God? 100% yes. Does he call you his beloved? Without a doubt. Does he want relationship with you that's personal and intimate? One million percent, yes. But may we never allow that to eclipse the reality that he is God, that he is holy. He, he, on one hand, you are made in the image of God, but on the other hand, God is not made in your image. He is not made in my likeness. He is outside of the box. He is holy meaning he's set apart. Like when we look at the great expanse of creation, when you think about billions of galaxies and stars, like billions of light years away, we begin to get a little bit of taste that he is not like me. Here I am just scratching around this little ball of dirt called earth, and yet he's outside of all that. Like from eternity past, before the creation of our world, he existed. After this earth is consumed and doesn't exist anymore, he will still exist. Like on one hand, he's my father, yes. He's my friend, absolutely. But on the other hand, like he's, he's God, he's holy, and I need to approach him as that. And that's what he tells Moses. Moses, Moses, come close. But Moses, don't forget who I am. Uh, 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 the place where you're standing, this is very sacred. This is, this is holy ground. Moses is ultimately going to call, or God's going to call Moses to go to Egypt to to set the Israelites free, to set God's people free. And Moses, is like, well, who should I say? Tell them, like, who who sent me? What authority do I have to come and like to fail? Like, I tried this before God, and Moses has a million excuses and. We're going to talk about that next week. But God tells Moses, here's, here's all you need to tell him. Tell them, I am who I am. Anything beyond that would fall short. Anything less than that would be insufficient. You just tell them I am. Like, I am the great I am. This is who I am. We live in a culture today where that says God can be whoever you want him to be. But that's not God. Like, he is the great I am. We can't shape him into our likeness. We can't shape him into who we want him to be. Like, he exists outside of all of that. He is the great I am. Verse 6, God says, uh, I am the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Like, this is a, a very reverent moment. This is a very defining moment. This is a man who desires to be led by fire, but on the other hand, has a awe and reverence for who god who god is i think this also speaks to the eternal nature of god he doesn't say i i was the god of your fathers abraham isaac and jacob no no Uh, abraham isaac he's like i am still their god i was existent before abraham isaac and jacob now they were on earth now they're with me in heaven i still am their god and they are still alive. I think for those of us who have lost loved ones that have gone on before us, I think this is a good reminder that that's not that they're, they're gone. It's not like they, 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 they don't exist anymore. No, he's still the same God. He's still the God of my grandpa. He's still the God of my grandma. He, they're more alive in his presence today than they ever were here on earth. And God is still with them. But Moses, he has this healthy reverence for God. And this is the paradox of Christianity that we embrace. On one hand, he invites us into intimacy. On one hand, he invites us into personal relationship. He he desires to reveal himself to you, to speak to you, for you to speak to him. On the other hand, he's like, whoa, like you're, you're God. And I need to have a healthy respect for that. I need to have a healthy understanding of that. So God reveals his presence to Moses, and now we're going to see God reveal his purpose for Moses. This is very instructive for us, and I believe that this not only speaks to God's purpose for Moses, but I believe this speaks to your purpose and God's purpose for you here on this earth. Let's look at it in verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. I have come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land, to a good land, a broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites." If you're wondering any good names to name your kids, you got a good list right here. Just (laughs) pick one. This is God speaking to Moses, though. And what's interesting about this and what I want to to highlight is that that this is bracketed with Exodus chapter 2. And it reveals to us that people who are led by fire, they understand that God sees, God hears, God knows, God delivers. We serve a God who does all that. Maybe you're in this place and you're like, I don't, God, like, do you even see me? 100% yes. God, I've been praying about that for, for years. Do you hear me? Without a doubt. God, are you strong enough to help me out in the midst of this circumstance because the doctors have said this, my finances say this, people have said this. He's a God who delivers. For Moses, he wandered 40 years in the desert asking himself that question. And in a moment... God appears to him and says, I'm everything that I promised you I was. And what Moses doesn't see is the end of Exodus chapter two. And what the people of Israel don't see as they're in bondage in Egypt is Exodus chapter three. These are two, two verses that are intended to be bracketed together to draw and understand that God is at work. God sees, God hears, God understands, God delivers. And oftentimes we don't even know he's working. Look at it with me in in Exodus chapter two, verse 23. During those many days, the king of Egypt died. So the Pharaoh that was on the throne while Moses was in Egypt, he's gone. The people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. We see it repeated again to draw emphasis, to draw our attention. This is who your God is. This is the God of Israel. This is the God who created. This is, this is Yahweh himself. He's a God who sees. He's a God who, who hears. He's a God who remembers his promise. He's a God who, who sees you right where you are today. He's a God who knows his plan for your life. intended to be bracketed with Exodus chapter three. Now let's go back. So that's Exodus chapter two, Exodus chapter three. I have seen my people. I've heard their cry. I know your situation. I know what you're going through and I got plans to deliver you. Plans to bring you out of slavery. But here's the good news. God's plan isn't just to bring you out of slavery. He's plans to bless your life. With things that the people of Israel couldn't even imagine. I'm going to bring them up. I'm going to bring them out of land. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give them a good land. A land flowing with milk and honey. And God desires to bless his people so that his people can be a blessing to the world around them. And I believe God desires to do the same for you. God sees you. He hears you. He knows what you're going through. He desires to deliver you so that he can bless you so that you can in turn be a blessing. This has always been God's plan for his people, and I am more convinced the older I get, this is God's plan for us gathered here today. Here's how we say it here at Central. Four things that I believe God desires to do in your life, four purposes for your life. If you decide to call Central your home, it's our desire, it's my desire to be your guide so that you experience all four of these purposes for your life. Here's the first one, that you can know God. Listen, he's the God who sees, he's the God who hears, he's the God who who speaks, he knows what you're going through. The question is, do you know him? He desires relationship with you. On one hand, he's awesome, he's holy, he's he's all powerful. On the other hand, he's humble. And the psalmist says he delights in the details of your life. Are you speaking to him about the details of your life? Are you allowing him to speak to you? He wants you, you can know God. It's part, it's your purpose. how can you intentionally know God more this week grow in that relationship with him? Second purpose for your life is that you would be a man or a woman who grows in freedom. Just as the Israelites were held in captivity in Israel, it's really an image for us in our current situation as we, some of us here are just bound in captivity to sin and sin's deceitfulness. The good news is that there is a deliverer and he does desire for you to walk in freedom you can put to rest yesterday and embrace a whole new day. It's part of your purpose. God tells Moses, I have come down to deliver them. And listen, God didn't just do it for the Egyptians, he did it for you, he did it for me. First John 3.8 says, people who keep on sinning show that they belong to the devil who's been sinning since the beginning. But check this out, but the son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. This is his purpose. One of the purposes of God, one of the reasons that Jesus came is to set you free. Right. And all of us have that, right? Like no one here is exempt. We all have hurts. We all have hangups. We all have issues. You say, well, what, what area of my life do I need to find freedom? Listen, that area of your life, that if it wasn't there, you know your life would be better. You know you'd have more peace. You, you know you could step into a new day with more confidence. Whatever that is, he desires to set you free. And so whatever your life, do you need freedom? The son of God came to destroy the works of the devil and deliver you from sin's deceitfulness. Third purpose for your life is this, to show your purpose. God's desires for you to show your purpose. Like God created you on purpose, with purpose. It's our joy as followers of Jesus to step into that and to show the world our purpose. Now on one hand, here's what I wanna, want you to know, like, You have a unique purpose. Uh, On one hand, you have God-given gifts, uh, natural abilities, unique temperament, um, unique spiritual gifts, that that as followers of Jesus, once we go on this journey, it's our joy to figure out what that is and to deploy those gifts to build the body of Christ because the reality is to the degree that we get this right or we get this wrong is the degree that we're strong or we're weak as his church. And so on one hand, you have unique gifts, talents, and abilities, unique purpose that is totally unique to you. On the other hand, all of us, everyone here in this room that calls ourselves followers of Jesus, we share this overarching purpose for our life. And that purpose for every single one of us here is to help people find and follow Jesus. From cover to cover throughout the Bible, that is is our purpose. We don't get to choose it. God's just endowed that upon you. This is your purpose. And so we talk about living with a one-friend focus. Who's one person that you're helping know God? Who's one person you're helping grow in freedom? Who's helping one person? How are you helping one person show their purpose? And in doing so, you change that person's world. How do you do that? Who are you helping find and follow Jesus? It's your your purpose. Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. Here's what what God tells Moses. "I, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt, You say, wait a minute, I thought God was going to come down. I thought God was going to deliver them. He is. But he's sending you. Is God going to set God's people free? 100%. But he's also sending Moses. It's it's a partnership together. Listen, more than anything else, I understand this is a little bit of a paradox because like you, most of my, my deepest hurts have come at the hands of people. But I'm just here to testify that more than anything else, God uses people to bring about healing of our deepest hurts, habits, and hangups. And more than anything else, God uses people to reveal himself to people. It's part of your purpose. It's part of the reason you're on this earth. God sent Moses. I I will send you. Now, Now look at this in John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them, Peace, I leave with you. Who wants peace? Hey, right here. I'm a candidate. God, I, got, I want two scoops of peace. Like, God, can you hook a brother up with some peace? And we want that, but, but here's our purpose that's dovetailed with that. As the Father has sent me. Jesus is like, I was sent by the Father. God, I only do what I see the Father doing. I, I want to walk close, so closely to God that, that, God, I hear you speak. I turn aside when you're moving, and I take action on that. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, even so. I'm sending you. Listen, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a sent one. And you may say, God, that's a terrible plan. That's what Moses does. God, you got the wrong guy. I got a million reasons why that's a mistake. Let me just say this, our excuses do not exempt us from our purpose. And you have an opportunity, you can say, God, I embrace that purpose. Not only do I understand my purpose now, God, I'm going to step into it. Or you can be disobedient. That's really your only two options here. This is, a, this is one of the areas of our life where we say, okay, God, I mean, I like it, but you're God. I'm not. If you say go, I'm lacing up my boots. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're sent, you're commissioned, go help people know God, go help people find freedom, go help people discover their purpose. And as you do that, the final purpose for your life is to go change the world. You say, that's a big statement. We serve a big God who has big things planned for your life. Here's what Moses did not know He did not know that his obedience to God's call would lead to two million captives being set free. And I would just suggest to you that you do not know what hangs in the balance of your obedience either. God might desire for you to set two million captives free, but you won't know until you step into it. He desires to use you to go and change the world. So the question is whose world will you change? because you helped them find and follow Jesus. Listen, when I got, when I started following Jesus, like really it was my parents. I, I surrendered my life saying a prayer like in my mom and dad's living room. My mom's really the one who discipled me. And every person that I've touched since then is the fruit of her being obedient. And I'm just saying you can change one person's life and there can be a ripple effect to that but they changed my world. It was a small community church like this, amidst my brokenness, showed me that God has a big plan for my life and I couldn't see it. You're a part of that purpose. So the question is whose world are you gonna allow God to use you to change by helping them find and follow Jesus? I love this passage in Acts, Acts chapter 17, verse six. These Christians are arrested They're going around like helping people find and follow Jesus. And I love this statement that the the magistrate made about them. These men have turned the world upside down. And now they've come here also. Like what are we going to do with these people? How'd they turn the world upside down? Everywhere they went, they had this message on their lips. There's hope. There's a God in heaven who sees you. He hears you. He knows you. He's got a plan for you. He wants to draw you out of the circumstance you're in so he can deliver you into a new season, to a good and gracious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And how do you do that? Well, let me tell you about Jesus. One person at a time, you change the world. And in doing so, you turn the whole Bay Area upside down. You turn the whole world upside down. And all of us are commissioned to do that. To help people know God Help people grow in freedom. Help people show their purpose and go change the world. Listen, I just believe there's some people crying out today. God hears, God sees, God knows, and God has plans to deliver them, and you're a part of his plan. You can be the answer to the prayer. And people who are led by fire know that God wants to use you to set people free. This is your burning bush moment. I invite you to lean in let's pray well father we thank you that you see us and god there's people here today that have been wondering do you even see them god may this serve as a reminder that you see them right where they are there's been people that have been praying for years wondering do you hear god may you allow faith to build in their heart today a lot of us have been wondering, God, what are you doing? What's, what's the plans you got going on here? God, you, you know a plan. And sometimes, like Moses, it takes years for that plan to unfold. So, God, would you fill us with confidence and joy as we're in this waiting season? And, God, we thank you that you're the same God who called Moses. And, God, you're calling us today. So, God, may we step into that call, I pray. May you fill us with your spirit. Fill us with faith to be an accurate representation of all that you are. May we do that with reverence and honor. As we continue to pray with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I I realize in a room like this, perhaps there's some of you who haven't engaged in a relationship with Jesus, and the good news is that God desires to know you, and it all starts there. You say, well, how can I know God? Well, it begins by embracing by faith what Jesus has done for you. The Bible says that if you you confess with your mouth that, that Jesus is Lord, like he's the boss, you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that you can be saved. The reality is that all of us have sinned, all of us have blown it, I've blown it. And that, that sin has separated me from God. But the only reason I can now have a relationship with, G- with God is because of what Jesus has done. And the same is true for you. He sent a deliverer and his name's Jesus, just as he led the nation of Israel out of captivity in Egypt through the hand of Moses, he desires to set you free by the hand of Jesus. And you embrace that by faith. And so if that's where you are and you want to begin a real relationship with God, you want to know him so you can go on that journey of growing in freedom and showing your purpose and being a man or woman who changes the world, that all begins by surrender. So I invite you to say a prayer to God like this with me. Say, God, I realize I've sinned. And I know my sin has separated me from you. But God, I believe that you sent a deliverer, a rescuer. And I believe it's Jesus. And I believe in that moment that Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty for my sin. And I believe that because it didn't just end on a cross, but Jesus, because you're alive, I'm asking you to come alive in me. Jesus, you gave your life for me, and today I'm giving my life for you. I surrender. Now, God, would you fill me with your spirit and give me courageous faith to take steps of obedience and following you all the days of my life you continue to pray with your heads bowed eyes closed if that was your prayer today your commitment to God I just invite you to to slip up your hand I want to pray for you before we get out of here and show God that you mean business and you're in this journey yep thanks man yep thanks thanks. Yep. thanks well God you see every hand lifted up to you and God I pray that the God they would today experience the joy of your salvation I pray, Father, that you would free their mind of condemnation from sins of the past, knowing that they've been forgiven, that, God, you dealt with them on the cross. So, God, may they leave this place feeling like the weight of the world is lifted off of their shoulders. Now, Father, I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit so that, God, they can know you. And, and God, in this moment, we just believe by faith you're dropping spiritual gifts into their heart, into their life. God, may they discover what those gifts are. May they deploy them to build your church. God, would you give them courageous steps of faith, not just to make a a commitment to you, but God, to make a physical declaration by going public with their faith and getting baptized, God. Would you allow them to take that step of obedience where they say yes to that? And God, I know you'll bless them as they do. God, we pray your blessing on those making that commitment today for the building of your church, for the glory of your name, and for the strengthening of your people. Would you do it, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if that was your commitment today, man, I'd love to uh, connect with you. Uh, you can fill out that, that next step card, as I mentioned at the beginning of the service, Tiffany mentioned as well. Uh, I, I got some resources I'd love to get with you. I'll, I'll send you some emails, I think, can serve you on your spiritual journey. Uh, I'd love to meet with you one-on-one if you're game for that. Uh, if not, no worries. I'll just shoot you some texts and emails, I think, and can help you. Uh, but man, let's give it up for those people that made that spiritual commitment. That's awesome.